During the last few days, we've heard good news and also bad news. Uh, some of our people in Morocco, uh, they're physically fine, but they've lost one, one of our brothers has lost his house because of the earthquake. Uh, another brother, um, he's, uh, his house is damaged a little bit. Um, of course, when we think of suffering, now then we heard about a tragedy in Libya with the dams breaking and a village or city wiped out. And then uh, one of our pastors in Peru, he passed. He went to be with the Lord Monday. Uh, he was at our convention here. And... Um, and then on the other hand, we, how's your life? Turn to your neighbor and just say, how are you feeling tonight? What's your life like? How are you doing? <clears throat> so here's the, here's the, um, text that we want to refer to is Psalm 13, and it is six verses, and I'm not teaching a lot on this psalm right now, but I want to draw your attention to it. Verse 1, how long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me. So he is in in a down a down direction. He's he's down. He's he's sad. He's also missing God. He where is God? But he's a believer. He is a believer, but he feels the presence of God isn't with him. Have you ever felt that way? Have you felt strongly the presence of God for a period of time in your life and then s- simply it seems to go away? That's what he's saying. It seems like it, it, he's gone. Where, where are you? Look at verse 2. Maybe I will do it all. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? And that happens so, so our, our theme in, in our little sketch here is that there's a spectrum of experience and also mood, um, a mood, experience, and feelings and thoughts from a, a bad time to like a good time, or from sadness to praise, sadness to praise, like... It's hard to praise God and be thankful and worship when you feel he's gone or you feel the sorrow. This is sorrow that he's feeling. Now, this psalm, the reason I'm picking this psalm is because it has the spectrum in it from 1 to verse 6. It has the spectrum of where are you? I have sorrow in my heart. Sorrow may be because of a tragic thing or a broken heart, uh, sad news. Um, I, I don't say this to alarm anybody. My sister was hit 
Um, she was bicycling and she got hit by a car. She's fine. Okay. Yeah, another. Yeah, where is Cynthia tonight? Okay. It's Karen, my other one. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what will happen to you tomorrow? There's a proverb. It says you don't know what a day will bring forth. So we don't know. And our brother in Peru, who was pastoring, operating, functioning, and gone. And so keep his family in our prayers. So uh, this is the, the uh, outline of the, of the psalm. So go to verse uh, 2. I have sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So that, that, that smacks of some spiritual enemy that is over me, that is provoking me or condemning me or keeping me in that mood. And I don't like it. I'd like to shake it off. I'd like to move on. I'd like, I'd like to be healed. But it takes time because um, sorrow is like that. It's ordained of God. Like sorrow is, is the will of God in many cases. It's our emotional response to uh, sad, tragic things, reality. Reality can be sad. Life can be sad. And we can feel that. But it can't bury us, so to speak. It cannot dominate and ruin our life. We go through the grieving. We, we realize what it is, and we are, we are waiting on God, and we are believing in God, and we're finding our way in it. So go to verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Let's see. Uh, I have a short list of people that had legitimate sorrow in the Bible. Hannah, 1 Samuel 1. David with his son Absalom, O Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, O Absalom. Five times he's crying out for his son when he has died. Mary and Martha at the tomb of their brother Lazarus, real grief, Jeremiah, Lamentations 1.15. Jesus had real grief and Jacob for Joseph when they had the bloody coat. Remember in Genesis 37, uh, Jacob said, that's it, I will sorrow for the rest of my life. Uh, So this is real. I don't think we should deny it or change it or, or try to pretend it's not there. I think it's a part of life. But the, this isn't our message. I just want to make that, make that point. Look at verse 4. Let my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Now comes the praise. But I have trusted in your mercy, verse 5. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation.
Will I be healed? Yes. Will I be restored? Yes. Will I go through this period? Yes. Will God again, will, will I again praise him? Will I again, will I again feel it or know it? Will I again be, be will he restore my soul? Uh, Psalm seventeen fifteen, I will awake with his likeness. It's a very good psalm. Another psalm similar, different, but but he, he he said, but I will be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. And then verse six, I will sing unto the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. And it's not just like a sentence that's like just comes like it's really built in the psalm, like how long and then I will sing. He has dealt bountifully with me. He has. He has dealt bountifully with me. But I thought you were sad. Yes. But he has dealt, dealt bountifully with me. He really has. He has kept me. He has provided for me. He has helped me. He has answered me. He has comforted me. He has. Really, has he? Yes. This is a saint who has gone through things and then finds like that reality that God has dealt bountifully with me. Let me read a couple uh, verses to you about this joy. In Ezra, when they returned, and they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy, in Ezra 6.22, for the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God. Nehemiah 8.10 Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They had a real party real celebration they had they had a great time but they have been through so much hardship but this is the spirit of god that is with us the same spirit that we are able to move we're able to live and love and forgive and be patient and rejoice and be together in um Psalm 4, verse 7, You have put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Psalm 16, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage 
I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. You will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This is a good one. Psalm 19, verse 8. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. We will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The king shall joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceeding glad with your countenance. This is the the Messiah. He, He is so glad with the Father looking upon him. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. Well, I, I feel this, really. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. Remember Richard Warmbrack in, in the solitary cell in Romania talked about dancing. Andrew Brunson had read that. Andrew went to jail in Turkey, and he decided to do the same thing that Wormbrandt did, and he found the presence of God helping him and comforting him. I had gone with the multitude. I like this about greater grace. I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God on a Wednesday night with a voice of joy and praise, praising God, the Spirit of God, in our in our words, in our hearts, in our faith, to restore us, encourage us, lead us, better than being by myself alone, but being the body of Christ, to be in the fellowship of Christ. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought, they shall enter into the king's palace. Psalm forty five fifteen. There is a river The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Make me to hear joy and gladness. When I lived in Budapest, we we had a school, and I lived in the school upstairs above the kitchen. I had a little room, very small little room, but I loved to hear the children coming into the school, you know, the chatter, the laughter, the banter, the footsteps, the little pat, pat, the footsteps, the little... Pat, pattering, I don't know, little, you know, steps, and uh, and them um, talking, the little, the sound of it. I love it when we assemble and we are talking, and then we say goodbye. And I remember in Europe, so many times we would say goodbye to the Bible at the Bible study, and they would go out to the bus stop and. And keep saying goodbye, and then get on the train and keep saying goodbye, and then waving goodbye from the bus or 
the bus stop. I said today that in Russia, one time I took the bus from Finland uh, to Russia for one meeting with St. Petersburg, Russia, and I was so tired because I had had a full schedule, but I was so tired I got there. And the meeting was in five minutes, and I just sat down and fell asleep. They woke me up, and I go, oh. And we walked down this hallway to go to the meeting, and there were people waiting. And to them, it's a big deal. And to me, I was exhausted. And they said, how do you think the meeting is going to go? I said, it's going to be either very, very bad or very, very good. I cannot do it. It happened. Two and a half hours later, everybody's dismissed. They're on their feet, clapping. We have a message. We have another message. We have a rap session. We had such a good time. Thirty of them followed me to the bus to take the night bus back to Finland. And we're waving and saying goodbye. Uh, What is the meaning of this? It's from Acts 20. And that will be our message tonight. Acts chapter 20. This is a sad world. But we are a glad people. But don't we suffer too? Yeah. Real suffering. Real tears. Real sadness. Real broken hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the key. Do you believe that God has dealt bountifully with you? Do you believe that you can gather in his name and where two or three are gathered, he is in our midst? Do you believe that he answers our prayers, that he helps us in our suffering? Do you believe that he can heal me again from my sorrow and my trouble? Can I come into the house of God with joy and gladness in the sound and the voice of a multitude? And here again, and be restored again, and refreshed again, and anointed with fresh oil. Psalm 92, verse 8. Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do I believe that this word is enough? That a man cannot live by bread only, but by every word that comes out of God's heart and mouth for us? Yes, 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 yes. Amen. So we'll look at Acts 20 tonight. All right, so you have a good attitude. You're spirit-filled. You're rejoicing in God. Will you stand with me, please, for a moment and express all that goodness to your neighbor and just pour it on, pour it on. They need to hear it. Build them up. Give it to them. Give them a hug, handshake. Build them up, pour it on. Praise the Lord. Okay, 10 or 15 minutes message um, from Acts 20. How many of you have been in a, how many of you have gone on a trip with a group of Christians in faith, and the purpose of the trip was, was a mission? It was a mission. It wasn't a vacation. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, go on a vacation with believers. Absolutely. But in this case, it was some kind of a mission.
You got on a plane or got in a car or in a bus somewhere on a train. Real story, Gary Grunwald and I were traveling uh, from Hungary to Ukraine, I think. Was it Ukraine? And he climbed up. He didn't have the right, I don't know what it was, but he hid up in the cabin. <laughs> and the customs guy comes in to look at our documents and everything. And Pastor Gary's hidden up in a compartment up there. And I'm like thinking, oh, not good. Not good. We're going to be in trouble. <laughs> but we got through the border. Okay. How many of you have been on some kind of a crazy trip on a mission for God? You smuggled Bibles? That's illegal. You cross a border, illegal. Huh? You paid a bribe, shouldn't do it. You preached in a square, the police shut it down. It is so much fun. It's fun. People do extreme sports because they don't get to do the things we do. And they dive, you know, like without a parachute and the whole thing. Am I for law and order? Yeah, once in a while. Like, yeah, yes. But you're to obey all the authorities. Romans 13, absolutely. Absolutely. But sometimes things do go this way. They're out of the box. This is a story from Acts 20, verse 7, down to verse 12. And I'm going to embellish it a little bit. Just have a good time tonight with you and help you think about the kind of church that you're in tonight. At the end of the message, you're going to say, I'm never coming back here again. I'm done. These people are crazy. They're crazy. Yeah, but we're crazy, but we have a good time. We're, we, we're, we want to be in the will of God. We're sensitive to God's heart and mind regarding the gospel. Let's see here. Verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, in the ancient world, when the sun went down, your day ended, unless you had a lamp you could stay up another hour or two, but not five hours. This is five hours extended. Why? Why? Why did Paul keep preaching? What was going on? What was happening? He's visiting them. And the Spirit is teaching people. And there's something going on in the assembly. There's something happening there that is spiritual. And if you never had that in your life, I, I would hope and pray that you could have it someday in your life. That this is hunger. This is spiritual hunger. In our history, we're filled with stories, honestly. Like B Binks Lange over here, he knows it. We've been in Russia. We've had, um, in Hungary, we've had things. We had, we had, a hundred Russians up until three o'clock in the morning, if not four in the morning. 
because so the Soviet Union ended and they came to conferences and they had questions about God, about election, about the Bible. How can I know it's true? Like fundamental, precious questions. And it just went on and on. Steve Duff, uh, years ago in St. Petersburg, he, he, the Spirit of God used him. It was beautiful what the Spirit of God did. But that, that is, I'm not talking about us and the past primarily. I'm talking about us now. I really like you, like you to think with me about what happened here and really something that can happen in your life now if it hasn't already. And it is not that Paul was long-winded. It was God had something to say to these pagan slash Hellenized Jews who were hungry for real answers. They wanted to know. And Paul is preaching from Isaiah and Jeremiah and the Psalms. He's teaching from the Law of Moses. He's really doing it. And it goes to midnight. Now the lamps are burning. And as I read in that, in that, um, in that book that I've referred to a number of times, they didn't have ventilation in their buildings. Chimneys, they didn't have in the ancient world. So to heat the room or to burn the fuel, gaseous fumes were there. Therefore, there were many fires, and also there were lung diseases and sicknesses and so on. Uh, So this room has lamps burning, and it goes for hours. And there's a guy in the third loft, third floor, young guy up there, who falls asleep. And he falls. Okay, verse 8. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And they could say, when, when, when is this going to stop? No, I think they weren't saying that. They were saying, this is awesome. I need to hear this. Who is Jesus? How do we know he was raised from the dead? Was it the third day? What happened on the third day? And then the, all the, the discussion and the believers and the, the, room, the room is uh, filled, and the, God is, is writing in the hearts of people. They're very excited about it in their hearts. But are they tired? Sure. But something about the spiritual life and tiredness, like Romans 8.11, you could be physically tired, but you could also be quickened. Your, mo- your body could be quickened or, or refreshed. Your physical body can come alive. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will one day take our dead body out of the grave. But how about now in my mortality, my tiredness could be changed by the presence of God. We know that Moses was with God. He was 120 years old and his face was not weathered. His face was not abated. He didn't show his age. 120 years because of God. Beautiful picture. All right, so what is happening in this meeting? Verse uh, 9. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Euchukis, being fallen into a deep sleep. 
And as Paul was long preaching, long preaching, hours, this young man sunk down with sleep, fell down from the third loft, and was taken up dead. Now, this is what I mean about crazy. Crazy. Like, like something, something, it could have been prevented, maybe, or, you know, something happens in the assembly, something that maybe the critics would say, that should have never happened. He should not have preached so long, and we should have known better, and so on. All that could happen. But there's something that overrides that. That's like our fellowship. When Jesus is so real in our life, we can preach from the rooftop. And there's no discussion about it. We're preaching from the rooftop. You understand what I'm saying. A young person could get on an airplane and fly to Serbia and meet Pete with Sarah over there. And that's kind of, is that crazy? Well, maybe. No, but you see what I'm, what I want to get to, I want to get to a point here. I want to say that, that this story is telling us that bad things happen. But when God is there, and this is the will of God, you might say if it was the will of God, he would not have fallen dead. Third stories, and die three stories, and die, he was taken up dead. It should not have happened. I know, but it did. It did. But there's something else going on here. And that is, this is the body of Christ, this is the message of God, this is the presence of God, these are the people of God, and this is a man of God. Let's enjoy that. Yeah, but we have a dead young man. Yes, we do. But we also have something else here. We have the work of God. It may not be going according to your perfect mindset, perfect world, I know that, but but something is happening. And how can you be sure that God is not in all of it? That God is not in all of it that is happening. And maybe this should be a comfort for us because our life can look pretty crazy sometimes on many levels because this life happens like we know. So let's go to the verse here. Verse um, 10. And Paul went down and fell on him. Now, why? I think because Paul had faith. I think Paul had faith. Paul could say this shouldn't happen, but, but, but God is with us. And this is a mission, and this is a ministry, and this is, you know, God is with us. And these people, we're all learning to rejoice with God, and we're, we're walking with God. And this boy has died, but perhaps, but Paul, Paul, they thought he was, maybe he was, well, maybe he wasn't, I don't know. I don't know that it's clear. But it was as if he was, and, and people believed he was. Paul fell on him, embraced him, and then what, what does it say? He said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. 
When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while. Now, what does that mean? Okay, the boy's back. Their meeting's not ended. It's midnight. Let's have the Lord's Supper again. But they already had it in verse 7. But now it's midnight. Let's have it again. Right? We're not going on. We're not leaving. We're going on. We're moving on. They are staying with him. They are excited. You can be sure in this room, there was a lot of faith. There was a lot of encouragement. There was a lot of understanding. They were being built up and something was happening that I would like you and myself, I, I know about it. I enjoy it very much and I love it when I get in a car with a bunch of guys and we go on a mission to Philadelphia and we tumble out of the car. We talked all the way. We tumble out of the car. We get a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. One of the guys said, I know of a better place. We, we ate one. We got to eat another one. We're testing chili feed cheese. And we're, we're talking about Jesus in the pizza shop. We're reaching some young guy. We're encouraging our faith. We come drive back home thinking, what about Philadelphia? What about Philadelphia? What is God saying to us about Philadelphia? That's how these churches start. It doesn't like we have a big, we have a big formula. We don't have any. It's this story in some way. They are, they are in touch and they will, let me say this, they will never forget it. They have been with Paul for some hours and this meeting goes until the sun comes up. Look at verse um, 11. When he was therefore come up, he broken bread, eat and talked a long while, even till break of day. So he departed. Finally, he's leaving. <laughs> Finally, he's leaving. Finally, Paul is leaving town. Finally, when the sun is coming up, he's leaving. What is this? I just know we are, we are locked in. We have beautiful homes. Many, many of us are fortunate to have places to live and refrigerators, and we have our jobs and our families and a lot of things. And in the course of your life, if you cannot step out of your life by faith and be in something like this, then you're missing something. And you don't have to go to another country to do it. You can do it by walking across the street, knocking on somebody's door. And praying for them with a sister or brother. Little things. You may find God in a fresh way. Teaching in a Sunday school. You know, singing in a group. Meeting again. Eating again. Saying goodbye again. Having a prayer time again. And it's not, I'm talking about outward things. But I'm talking actually about something very, very real internally, spiritually in your heart. It can't be manufactured. There is no recipe for it. I'm just saying it exists. And there it is. Isn't that cool? And, and uh, let me finish reading the last. It says, And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. 
So in the morning when the sun came up, they're all saying goodbye to Paul, and the young man is there. Can you see the young man standing there? He's going like, what happened again? What happened? Tell me again. Tell me again. I was up there. And what happened? Do you know about it? I want you to. Uh, This fellowship, you can take it any way you want, and nobody's on your case. You live your life. I'm so happy that people come and avail, avail themselves to what the Lord is doing in our hearts and with us. And it's very good. It's very good what God is doing. But I also would like to challenge sisters and brothers who's ever listening. Come and be with us and challenge sisters and brothers. If you only know your own friends, three or five friends, or 30 friends, and you don't know anybody new, you only know your own circle, and you're comfortable with your circle, then I just ask you to pray about that, and be led by the Spirit, and and find out, like, what, what maybe there is somebody, it's not about, I'm sorry, it sounds like funny, but I don't, if you only know the same route that you travel by your car, exit 28, you know, to exit, you know, to the belt, only to that place. And you only know your own pattern of life because you're secure and you're safe there, and that's how you roll, then that's fine. But I would like to suggest to you that uh, you might stay alive with a lot of joy and discover something new and fresh over there, where God is, over there doing something, with those people, over there, with that thing, that's what's happening. And just a shout out to the Federal Hill Church, I've been so edified by the church at Federal Hill, that Justin said, we're going to Tennessee. They kind of look at each other, where's Tennessee? Why are we going there? Just get in the van, we're going to Tennessee. And they come back with, like, revival, right? And we're, hey, let's pray about going to Argentina. Like, Argentina? Where are we going, to the moon or Argentina? And that kind of, I'm not saying I got to go anywhere. I'm just saying it's something to do with what we read in this story that I believe has happened through our history with many of the visits by many of our pastors and many people who have made big decisions. We were in, in Nepal, and this guy in a motor scooter, he said, I traveled 48 hours to be here, you know, with his motor scooter, motorcycle, 48 hours of driving through the mountains. I came because I wanted to meet you. I wanted to be in this conference. And you can be sure, I believe... When he drives away, he will say, that was. I had a guy in the mountains in Kyrgyzstan pull out a folded piece of paper, like, like this kind of a thing. And it was a photocopy of one of my messages in Russian. And it was like this kind of a thing, you know, I don't know, three or four pages folded up. And he pulled it out of his pocket and he said, I drove over two mountain ranges, like two days of travel. To meet you because of this message that I read that stirred my heart. Tell me about it. 
Tell me about it. Do those people, they go back home and they say, I, I, I saw something, I was with something, and so on. And I'm just saying, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I, I, you, okay, I already said it 14 times. I, I'm just encouraged. I'm encouraged. And to those that are stuck, to those that are stuck, I want you to hear what I'm saying and get unstuck. And just be, just walk with God and challenge yourself to be part of something and to get out of your, your own thing. Because somebody's going to fall from the third loft. And when Paul isn't there and the church isn't there, that's a great tragedy. And that happens. But when it happens in our presence and we have faith and we have hope and we have love, we still may be very sad, but at least we got something to say. We got the living God who cares for us and will help us through that trouble. Amen? Amen. Let's go. That's it. Wow. You haven't yet accepted Jesus in your heart. This is just a word from him. Word from Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me. I will take your burden of your sin and of your self-life. and I'll take it and I'll give you a new life. Tonight, in Jesus' name, say that simple prayer in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And then to all of us, we thank you that we can be on a living road, a real moving thing, something really stirring in us, something precious. And with this joy, thank you, Lord. Amen.